Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpack Warriors. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 138. This week I'm commenting on Donald Trump's rally in Coleman, Alabama on August 21st. There's a lot to talk about there, and apparently some things that all media missed, both lamestream and conservative. Besides, I'm sure that a lot of you didn't get a chance to watch the rally. The first thing that got my attention was the crowd. Coleman is an historical landmark for the civil rights movement, and blacks in Alabama largely vote Democrat. Why, I don't know. After all, the Democratic Party is the party of slavery, Jim Crow, the Ku Klux Klan, and the party that tried to defeat the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Somehow, the demonic Democrats have managed to convince black citizens that the GOP are against their equal rights. After having spent nearly 26 years in Alabama, I know firsthand how things are down there. Yet you should have seen the number of black Trump supporters present for the rally, decked out in their Trump MAGA clothes. The second thing that struck me was that, according to all the signage, this wasn't a MAGA rally. It was called a Save America rally. And when Trump came out, he was tossing a new cap out into the crowd that said Save America instead of Make America Great Again. This led me to speculate that President Trump was going to use this rally to announce his candidacy for 2024. There were between 40 and 50,000 people who showed up for the rally. It began late because of rain, and it even began raining during the rally. Yet this sea of patriotic Americans, as far as the eye could see, stayed to hear the president. When we return, I'm going to start the next segment exactly the way Trump began his part of the rally. For his introduction, Trump played the part of the George C. Scott movie Patton, where General Patton was addressing a large contingent of his soldiers from a stage. This set the tone for the things Trump would say later. Discover why thousands of readers worldwide turn to the Wanderer newspaper for weekly perspective and analysis of the news and events that increasingly threaten our values and our way of life. Hello, my name is Joe Matt, publisher of America's oldest national Catholic weekly newspaper, The Wanderer. If you take your Catholic faith seriously and you are concerned about the direction of our country, the ever-encroaching hand of big government, the assault of the culture on the traditional family, and the threat of progressive leaders in our churches who embrace much of the current leftist culture rather than opposing it, you will find a home in the pages of The Wanderer. If you are tired of being force-fed the agenda-driven false narratives of the day by the godless dominant media and the political elite who preside within our government, our schools, and yes, in our Catholic churches, it is time for you to take a look at The Wanderer. Every week The Wanderer addresses these concerns, exposing the who, what, and the why with sound analysis and solutions to these problems that threaten the values we hold dear. Not only is The Wanderer a great source for the issues that affect our lives, but it is also a great tool to learn more about the treasures of our Catholic faith and how to defend it in this time of great moral decay. 
I'm so confident you will like The Wanderer. For you six-packers out there, I have a special offer. For $1, that's $1, we are offering new subscribers the opportunity to receive one month's worth of issues. That's four weekly issues. Take The Wanderer for a test drive. After one month, it is $9 a month. You can cancel anytime you want. I hope you will take advantage of this limited offer today. Text the word NEWS to 830-331-5729 and I will send you a link to this offer or look for the link in Joe's show notes below. The Wanderer, for 154 years, unabashedly pro-life, independent, and conservative in its politics, and steadfast in its defense of Orthodox Catholicism. I want you to remember that no bastard ever won war by dying for his country. He won it by making the other poor dumb bastard die for his country. Men, all this stuff you've heard about America not wanting to fight, wanting to stay out of the war, is a lot of horse dung. Americans traditionally love to fight. All real Americans love the sting of battle. When you were kids, you all admired the champion marble shooter, the fastest runner, big league ball players, the toughest boxers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Americans play to win all the time. I wouldn't give a hoot in hell for a man who lost and laughed. That's why Americans have never lost and will never lose a war. Because the very thought of losing is hateful to Americans. Now, an army is a team. It lives, eats, sleeps, fights as a team. This individuality stuff is a bunch of crap. The bilious bastards who wrote that stuff about individuality for the Saturday Evening Post don't know anything more about real battle than they do about fornicating. Now we have the finest food and equipment, the best spirit, and the best men in the world. You know, by God, I actually pity those poor bastards we're going up against. By God, I do. We're not just going to shoot the bastards. We're going to cut out their living guts and use them to grease the treads of our tanks. We're going to murder those lousy Hun bastards by the bushel. Now, some of you boys, I know, are wondering whether or not you'll chicken out under fire. Don't worry about it. I can assure you that you will all do your duty. The Nazis are the enemy. Wade into them. Spill their blood. Shoot them in the belly. When you put your hand into a bunch of goo that a moment before was your best friend's face, you know what to do. 
Now, there's another thing I want you to remember. I don't want to get any messages saying that we are holding our position. We're not holding anything. Let the Hun do that. We are advancing constantly and we're not interested in holding on to anything except the enemy. We're going to hold on to him by the nose and we're going to kick him in the ass. We're going to kick the hell out of him all the time and we're going to go through him like crap through a goose. Oh. There's one thing that you men will be able to say when you get back home. And you may thank God for it. 30 years from now, when you're sitting around your fireside with your grandson on your knee, and he asks you, what did you do in the great World War II? You won't have to say, well, I shoveled shit in Louisiana. All right, now you sons of bitches, you know how I feel. Mm. I will be proud to lead you wonderful guys into battle anytime, anywhere. That's all. The reasons why Trump used this clip from the Patton movie were that he wanted to talk about Afghanistan and wokeness. The only time he referenced the clip was while speaking about wokeness. Frankly, it was the most vulgar thing he said all night, but he merely said what we're all thinking anyway. Let's listen. That's, again, why I put the Patton. I just remembered it as I was coming over here. I said, get that clip quickly. The people of Alabama understand that. Like, do you think that? Let me ask you, do you think that General Patton was woke? I don't think so. What do you think, Mike? Mike, was he woke? I don't think so. I don't think he was too woke. He was the exact opposite. You know what woke means? It means you're a loser. Everything woke. Everything woke. It's true. Everything woke turns to shit, okay? The thing on everybody's mind now, the thing that makes me angry enough to put my uniform back on and fight, is the disaster in Afghanistan. Trump was going to pull us out of Afghanistan, but the difference between him and Biden is the way it was to be done. Biden disastrously pulled out our combat troops first, gave the Taliban billions of dollars in U.S. military armaments, and abandoned between 11,000 and 40,000 American citizens. By the way, the only instructions Biden gave to those citizens when this began was that he told them to hide. Hide? So much for Mr. Compassion. Trump, on the other hand, had a plan so practical that a five-year-old child could understand it. I asked yesterday, I was with a group of people, and there was a five-year-old child. And I explained the situation to the five-year-old child. They said, no, you shouldn't do that, sir, because the press won't like it. I said, that's okay. I don't mind. The press doesn't like anything I do. They actually do like it, but they'll never say it, okay? But I... I asked the child, 
So what would you do after describing? Would you leave the military until everything's out, including the civilians and all of that incredible military equipment? Or would you have the military go out first? Sir, I'd leave the military in. He was five. He said, I'd leave the military in. Get everything out first. I said, thank you very much. The difference between the Biden plan, which is really no plan at all, and the Trump plan is what Trump did in preparation for the withdrawal a full year before. Preparations that Biden completely tossed aside because they were Trump's preparations. Because we're getting a little tired of the woke generals that we have, right? Where they move our military out before they move our civilians and before they move $83 billion worth of equipment. Let's move them out. And the Taliban looks and they say, I can't believe it. This could only happen to us. I can't believe it. The military left. They go in. We have 45,000 people there, Americans, anywhere from, I guess, 15. They have no idea how many. That's even worse. They say it could be 10. Oh, it could also be 45,000, but it's a lot of people and equipment like nobody has anywhere in the world, $83 billion. They weren't asking. We had them. I dealt with Abdul. He was the leader. I said, Abdul, anything happens, we are going to rain terror upon you. It will be a terrible thing. Don't touch our American citizens. Don't ever come to our country. Don't ever come to our country. And you're going to continue fighting your civil war. I can't do that. They've been fighting it for hundreds of years. That's what they do is they fight. And they're good fighters. But I had a good relationship other than that one statement. I said, after I said that, I said, now let's get down to business. And we had a conditions-based agreement. And they didn't meet the first two conditions. And we hit them hard. And then they met them. And then they had a couple of other conditions that they were ready to meet. And then we had a rigged election and we had a new president. And the new president came into office and he dropped to his knees and he said, come on in and take everything that we have. This is a disgraceful thing, the most embarrassing thing that we've ever seen in this country. There's never been an embarrassment. And the nations of the world, both friend and foe, are looking at us and saying, what the hell happened so quickly to the United States of America? They can't believe it. Not only did Trump talk about American strength regarding the Taliban, but he also talked about our strength in North Korea. Remember when I came in, Obama said, the worst problem we have is North Korea, Kim Jong-un. I said, what's the problem? He said, I think you're going to go to war with North Korea. I said, have you ever called him? No. Actually, he called him 14 times and was not responded to, but he told me no, but that wasn't truthful. I said, it would be good to talk to him, wouldn't you, you know, rather than nuclear war, wouldn't it be nice? Anyway, through a series of events, I did talk to him, and it was nasty at the beginning, remember? He said, we have a red button on my desk, and I said, I have a much bigger red button. And my red button works, and yours doesn't. And Anyway, it was very nasty, and then all of a sudden, it became a love fest. It became great. Trump also talked about American strength in general. Under my administration, everyone in the world knew not to mess around with America. They knew that. 
They understood our power and that I would not hesitate to use it in defense of our citizens. And the Taliban understood that maybe as well as anybody. This would never have happened if I was president. Our country was so respected. Everybody respected our country. China respected our country. We took in billions and billions of dollars in taxes and tariffs from China. They never gave us 10 cents. But then, of course, the China virus came and it was a lot different. My attitude toward China changed. As I personally told the Taliban leader, if anyone ever double-crossed the United States of America, it would be the last thing they ever did. We said it loud and clear. Because so much happens so quickly in the news cycle and our attention gets refocused, we don't really stop to realize just how badly Pretender Biden is doing. At least I'm guilty of that. So when President Trump enumerated some of the Biden failures, I just became angrier. Listen. One year ago this month, in my nomination acceptance speech, which you remember, a lot of you were there. I see a lot of you that were there. I warned the entire country of the disastrous consequences of a Biden presidency. I understood it. A lot of you understood it, too. I said that Joe Biden would eliminate America's borders in the middle of a pandemic. He did. I predicted that he would unleash a wave of violent crime that would turn our cities into a nightmare of killing and bloodshed. You look at these Democrat-run cities, Chicago, L.A., big cities, small cities, everyone run by a Democrat. New York, they don't prosecute people in New York, only Republicans they prosecute. They don't prosecute murderers and killers. They prosecute Republicans. It's uh, misconduct. It's called prosecutorial misconduct. But I told you this was going to be happening. We stated it loud and clear. We said he would impose crippling shutdowns and restrictions on in-person schooling and that these Painful policies would nonetheless fail to stop the virus. He didn't stop the virus, you know? They say, oh, he gets wonderful marks. He doesn't get good marks. He's done a terrible job, including on vaccinations, including on everything else. And now the virus is back. The virus is back. I'm shaking hands with everybody backstage. I say, well, I don't know. Is this a good thing or bad? You'll read about it in three or four days, maybe. Hopefully not. But I said that Biden would embolden America's enemies, and that's what he's done, and that the radical Democrat socialist agenda would set our nation on the road to economic ruin. You look at what's going on with inflation. Has anyone noticed that your gasoline is now at levels that you never thought you'd see again six months ago? So we had we had $1.87 a gallon, and we had a thriving industry, energy independent. Nobody thought it would ever be energy independent. We didn't need the Middle East. We didn't need the Middle East. And now you have over $5 in many cases, and it's going even here. It's going to be over $5 very soon. And I saw the other day, before this whole thing with Afghanistan started, because right, right now, Nobody's talking even about energy, even about the horrible border condition that they're allowing millions of people to come into our country, people that we have no idea, but people aren't talking about that, talking about the disaster of Afghanistan. Not only have 
My predictions come 100% true, but it's even worse than any of us could have imagined in our worst nightmare. Nobody thought this kind of thing could happen. Biden has obliterated our border, given up our energy independence, caused soaring inflation. He failed totally on economic and policies. I mean, you look at what's going on, it's crazy. And the senators that voted for this $1.2 trillion bill, of which they call it infrastructure, but only 11% is infrastructure. Where the hell are these people coming from? It's the roadmap. They call it the glide path. It's the roadmap to the Green New Deal, conceived and dedicated by AOC, a real beauty. She's a real beauty. She knows more about the environment. I don't think she ever even took, did she ever take a course? She wasn't a good student. Did she ever take a course on the environment? Remember, remember when we first said, you have 12 years to live, she said two years ago. That means you have, right now you're about nine and a half years Somehow, you're not worried about that, but you are worried about China and Russia and other places, okay? All right? We rebuilt our military stronger, bigger, better than ever before, and now I see it being dissipated and being given. Our military is being given to the enemy. Biden failed totally on the pandemic, and he's now overseeing the greatest foreign policy humiliation in the history of the United States of America. This is the greatest humiliation I've ever seen. Biden's botched exit in Afghanistan is the most astonishing display of gross incompetence by a nation's leader, perhaps at any time that anybody's ever seen. Name another situation like this. Vietnam looks like a masterclass in strategy compared to Joe Biden's catastrophe. And it didn't have to happen. All he had to do is leave the soldiers there until everything's out. Our citizens, our weapons. Then you bomb the hell out of the bases. We have five bases. And you say, bye-bye. You say bye-bye. The scene of those big, giant planes taking off with people hanging on the sides and falling off. There'll never be anything like that. That's worse than the helicopters. You remember the helicopters taking off the roofs? This blows it away. Not even a contest. This will go down as one of the great military defeats of all time. And it did not have to happen that way. This is not a withdrawal. This was a total surrender. This surrender for no reason. Perhaps the thing that excited me the most was this last clip you're going to hear. It's going to include Mo Brooks. Mo Brooks is the U.S. representative from the 5th District of Alabama. He's currently running for the U.S. Senate to replace rhino Richard Shelby and stand alongside Trump supporter Tommy Tuberville. Let's listen. I know Mo spoke, but come up and say just a quick word, Mo. He's doing very poorly in the polls. He's only up at about 90%. <laughs> Come on, Mo. Thank you, Mr. President and future President of the United States of America. I'm pleased to announce the second coming of President Donald J. Trump. <laughs> Thank you.
I don't understand why none of the media has picked up on this. There's no doubt in my mind that this is an announcement that Trump is running for president in 2024. The announcement made by Mo Brooks is certainly an unorthodox way for a candidate to announce, and for this reason I can understand why reporters might think that what Brooks said was just wishful thinking on his part. However, there's more to it than this. Why did the president ask Brooks to come up during his own speech to say a few words, an invitation without preface? At another point in Trump's speech, he lauded the state's GOP chairman for having just raised $1.1 million. Trump said the way it ordinarily works is that of the state-level money raised, 50% goes to his campaign. Trump said, the hell with it. I told him to just keep it. The implication is that there's a Trump campaign fund, something that's not necessary unless he's running. For all intents and purposes, then, Trump's running in 24. I'm excited about the orange man running, especially if he chooses Ron DeSantis as his running mate. Assuming that victory happens, that would pretty much guarantee American prosperity for 12 years. However, I'm still damn skeptical of any sort of victory in 22 or 24, or at any other time in the future. Despite voter reform laws in more than 30 states, every single state has stayed with voting machines. No state has returned to paper ballots. The Democrats used voting machines to cheat and win in 2020. They proved that it can be done and they're just going to keep right on doing it. They don't give a damn about America, and they sure don't care about you. They only care about power and control. They're demonic. They're evil. They want to destroy America. Since those damnable voting machines are apparently here to stay, it's up to us, you and me. We've got to begin organizing now, state by state. We have to form groups to legally act to guarantee the next two elections are fair. We need to begin lobbying our state legislatures to make laws banning these corruptible voting machines and lobby hard. Pick up the phone now, right now, and begin speaking with your state representative and state senator. If you even get just the slight feeling in your gut that you're not being listened to or not being taken seriously, threaten him. Tell him that if your concerns about these voting machines don't get treated with the gravity they deserve, you'll do everything in your power to see to it that he's replaced in the next election, no matter who's running against him. What if you can't speak directly with your state legislators because a gatekeeper won't let you? Tell the gatekeeper that you demand to speak with your legislator and don't be polite about it. Be angry. As Catholics and conservatives, it's not in our nature to be impolite or angry with people we don't know. Well, that has to change. How do you think the demonic Dems have accomplished what they have? Do you think they've been nice and polite? No, they haven't. And we've got to use their own tactics and methods against them. If we don't, well, there's just too much to lose. It may already be too late. This nation is looking and feeling more Marxist every single day. We're losing our liberties at an alarming rate. As Reagan told us, once our liberty is gone, it's impossible to get it back. So don't think that when things get really bad, there'll be someone to stand up and fight. The only someone who can do that is you. 
But, Joe, I have a family to take care of. Sure you do, Weiner, but so do the rest of us. Just remember that you're fighting for your family, defending your family. You must fight today so that your kids won't have to fight tomorrow, or worse, be enslaved tomorrow. Fight, six-pack warriors, fight! Did you know that statistics from Keras say that 70% of Catholics get 100% of their Catholic information from your parish Sunday bulletin? After my pastor mentioned to me that he'd like to find a way to catechize the whole parish without setting up a class, this little statistic inspired an idea. With my pastor's permission, I began writing a bulletin insert called What We Believe, Why We Believe It. Since it's merely inserted into the bulletin, it's intrusive, meaning that parishioners have to remove it to read the bulletin. In the process, they read this little thumbnail catechism lesson, and they let Father know that they love them. You see, I teach the faith with stories, anecdotes, and parables. They're not your typically boring catechesis. And best of all, I teach why we're supposed to believe the church's teachings, which affirms your parishioners in their faith. As a convert and consecrated member of the Marian Catechist Apostolate under the direction of Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke, I teach the entire faith, even tackling the really tough moral issues. You can learn more by watching an 11-minute video by clicking the link in my show notes that says Six-Pack System Bulletin Inserts. So you can try it without risk, you can get it for three months. You can even download three samples while you're on the page with the video. This is ideal for good priests who want to help their parishioners become fully catechized, and a lot of lay people get a subscription for their parish as a way to support the parish without having to give the bishop any of their money. To learn more, click on the link in my show notes that says Six-Pack System Bulletin Inserts. It just requires 11 minutes of your time. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to Catholic News Agency. Cardinal Burke has been removed from a ventilator and will move from the ICU to a hospital room as he continues to battle COVID-19. Cardinal Burke expressed his deep gratitude for the many prayers offered on his behalf, his office conveyed. (laughs) You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to NBC News. NBC News is reporting that Afghan staff at the U.S. Embassy in Kabul are deeply disheartened and losing faith in evacuation efforts. Staffers state that they were jolted, hit, and spat on by Taliban fighters at checkpoints near the airports. One local staff member reportedly said, quote, It would be better to die under the Taliban's bullet, end quote, than risk the crowds again. The U.S. military tried to maintain order. 
You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 3 Hats Off to Fortune Montana is the first state to ban requiring employees to take COVID-19 shots. Governor Greg Gianforte signed the bill into law when the Montana legislature agreed to allow medical facilities to make unvaccinated employees take extra precautions such as wearing masks. Wow! That's just incredible! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick Number 2 Hats off to the Catholic vote. The Bureau of Labor Statistics found that Republican-led states are recovering jobs faster and are seeing lower unemployment rates than Democrat-run states, based on data gathered from the start of the pandemic through the end of last month. According to an analysis of these numbers that the Republican National Committee published August 20 on its website, 16 of the top 20 states for jobs recovered since the pandemic hit are led by Republican governors. Additionally, the 10 states with the lowest unemployment rates for July are all led by Republicans. Oh, yeah! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick Number 1 Hats Off to Catholic Vote Despite pretender Joe Biden's frequent promise not to raise taxes, one penny on Americans making less than $40,000 a year, experts are warning that his new budget does that by passing down hidden costs. Thomas A. Barthold of the Joint Committee on Taxation, the nonpartisan scorekeeper for Congress, explained in an August 3 memo that the proposed corporate tax hikes would raise taxes for tens of millions of taxpayers making under 100000 per year and tens of millions making more than 400000 per year. Do you miss Big Orange yet? Despicable! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. I am hard, but I am fair. It's time for the Catholic Boot Camp with your drill sergeant, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Learn the Catholic faith and how to defend it like you've never heard it before. This boot camp is tough, so there's no political correctness, no spirit of Vatican II, and no namby-pamby platitudes. Drill Sergeant Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, will prepare you for spiritual war. Now here's Joe Sixpack. Little Janie was coloring in her coloring book while her mother sewed a few feet away. All at once, Janie got up and ran over to her mother. She climbed up into her mother's lap and threw her arms around her neck and kissed her. Then laying her little head on her mother's shoulder, she whispered into her mother's ear, Mommy, I love you. Her mother hugged Janie and asked, Why do you love me, sweetheart? With tears in her eyes, she answered, Because you loved me when I was too little to love you back. As I recall from my reading, the very first question in the old Baltimore Catechism is, Why did God create me? If you think about it, that's one of the most profound questions man has ever asked. And this is a question man has asked in every age, baffled in search of an answer. 
Maybe even you have asked this question. Although it's baffled people throughout the centuries, our Old Covenant brethren, the Jews, have had the answer to that question for over 5,000 years, and we Catholics have had it passed on to us for 2,000 years. Unfortunately, most of us seem to have forgotten the answer, and in the uncertain times we live in, we need to know and understand the answer now more than ever. God created us to know Him, love Him, and serve Him in this life so we can be happy with Him forever in the next. Once we come to know God, we can't help but to love Him. After we learn to love Him, it's a natural extension to want to serve Him. If we persevere in our service to Him, God will reward us with eternity in heaven with Him. Think for a moment about the explanation the church teaches for why God created us. Again, He created us to know Him, to love Him, and to serve Him in this life so we can be forever happy with Him in the next life. In other words, God created us from no other motive than love. It's difficult, perhaps even impossible, for us to grasp the concept of infinity, but God is infinite love. He has so much love that He created us just so we could one day be forever happy with Him. And He's ingrained on our nature that same concept so as to help us better understand Him. After all, as Janie's story points out, our only motive for cooperating with God to procreate our children and to care for them is love. I suppose that means we could view our journey as pilgrims here on earth as our being in the womb awaiting our birth in eternity. Unfortunately, not all of us are going to make it. Man is a creature composed of a physical body and a spiritual soul. The soul possesses intellect and free will, and it's created in the image and likeness of God. Yes, it's our mortal soul that's created in God's image, not the body. And the soul is immortal, which means it'll live forever, created by God at the moment of our conception. The soul is what gives us life. This means that when we look at the Joe sick pack sitting next to us, we're not really seeing Joe. Rather, we're looking at the house he lives in. It's the soul that possesses the personality, free will, intelligence, and reasoning ability. This is why there's so much emphasis placed on the soul in Christianity. God created us with free will so we could love him by our own choice. After all, what good is the love of a robot that's programmed to love? When I was learning how to use a computer, I fixed mine so that when I turned it on, it would say in a feminine voice, Good morning, Joe. I love you. Did my computer love me? Nah, of course not. What good did it do to program my computer to say it loved me? It serves no purpose because my computer has no free will and so therefore is incapable of love. This is why God gave us free will. By giving us free will, he allows us to choose, with his help, what is good and avoid evil. In this way, he can reward us for our good choices. When God is defined as infinite love, many people follow up by asking, how can a loving God send anyone to hell? Your explanation of God proves there can be no hell, if God is truly love. That question and follow-up comment isn't even logical if you think about it. 
People say these things because they want to justify how they choose to live, thinking God won't punish them for sin if they can convince themselves, and by extension God, that he won't send anyone to hell. Still, we Catholics have to be prepared to answer such objections. In actuality, God doesn't send anyone to hell, but rather we send ourselves. He created us with free will, then gave us an objective set of moral norms to live by. He respects the free will he gave us, so he won't interfere when we choose to abuse our gift of free will with sin. He will, however, punish us for that abuse. That means we choose hell. Parents who love the children God has given them possess so much love for those children that they're willing to die for them, the closest thing to infinite love humans can grasp. Therefore, a loving parent expresses love for the child by setting down rules and disciplining them. Why? Because the parent wants the child to have a good life as an adult. Children who don't have rules to live by at home and aren't disciplined when they violate rules end up being punished as adults in society. They're called prisons, and we have over 2 million people in them in America today, the result of what happens when the state tells parents they can't discipline their own children. But I digress. So God gives us rules to live by called the Ten Commandments and all that they imply. When we violate them, he punishes us some in this life with the consequences of our actions and in the next life with purgatory if our violations aren't very serious. However, like the recalcitrant child who one day ends up imprisoned by his own choices, if we choose mortal sin, we end up in hell by our own choices. Hell is a place of eternal punishment for those who refuse to repent of their mortal sins and ask forgiveness during life on earth. They'll suffer for all eternity with every sort of torment, with no relief. The worst of these torments is eternal separation from God. You see, you don't experience any separation from God in this life now, even if you're in a state of mortal sin. God stays connected to you by constantly offering you the actual graces that enable you to choose good over evil. But in hell, God even withdraws those actual graces. Therefore, you become the very embodiment of hate. You hate God, you hate yourself, you hate other souls in your eternal prison with you. You hate everything. Hell is the act of eternally dying. Heaven, on the other hand, is a place of everlasting possession and vision of God, called the beatific vision, in which souls of the just will be filled with complete happiness that's totally free from suffering and fear of loss. The souls rewarded in heaven are those who did good works and died in a state of grace, and who are free from all mortal sin and purified with punishment due to venial sins from their time in purgatory. To attain heaven, we must fulfill the purpose for which God made us, and that is, again, to know him, to love him, and to serve him in this life. This means knowing and living our Catholic faith and obedience to him, which is being obedient to Christ and his Catholic Church. The Mafia has an interesting and logical hierarchy. At the top of the food chain is the boss of the bosses, Then there's the territorial bosses. Next are the capos. Finally, you have the soldiers. 
The Sicilian Mafia is all but gone in America, but we have another kind of mafia-like criminal organization. It's called the Lavender Mafia, and it has overwhelmingly infiltrated the USCCB. Because Chicago is the primatial sea in America, Cardinal Blaise Supich is the boss of the bosses. The territorial bosses are his fellow bishops who belong to the Lavender Mafia. Their capos are the diocesan chancellors and vicars. The foot soldiers are all those priests who agree with the criminal bishops, or they're too cowardly to courageously oppose the heresies and sins of the Lavender Mafia bishops. The Sicilian Mafia made all its ill-gotten wealth through strong-arming, lying, cheating, and stealing. The Lavender Mafia is no different, except they wear ecclesiastical robes that give them the appearance of legitimacy. Make no mistake, the Lavender Mafia is every bit as evil as the Sicilian Mafia. Through the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, they promote abortion, socialism, defunding the police, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, contraception, and illegal immigration. Worst of all, they do it with your money. They lie to you in never-ending appeals and strong-arm the money through parish taxes of the money you give the parish. They depend on your money. Well, you can fight back. Until our bishops begin doing as they ought, we shouldn't give them a dime. So I invite you to download Catholic Bogus Bucks. Catholic Bogus Bucks are intended to send a clear message to these criminal mafia-like bishops. They're great for wayward parish priests as well. Best of all, they're free to anyone who wants them. Try them out. This Sunday at collection time, assuming you're not happy with your parish priest, you know, the criminals who just haven't been promoted to bishop yet, drop a Catholic bogus buck in the collection basket rather than your hard-earned money. Message received. And the next time your bishop sends an envelope, he's demanding that you fill with your hard-earned money to finance his criminal activity, fill it with Catholic bogus bucks instead. Catholic Bogus Bucks are easy to use. All you have to do is download the bucks and print all of them you want. They're free. Let me say that again. They're free. To get your Bogus Bucks, go to cantankerouscatholic.com slash evil dash bishops. The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from St. Teresa of Calcutta. She said, Spread love everywhere you go. Let no one ever come to you without leaving happier. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. From 1926 to 1928, Gene Tooney was the heavyweight boxing champion of the world. In a Midwestern city, a group of businessmen were entertaining him at a dinner in his honor. After dinner, several women appeared to put on a floor show, and it was indecent. 
They didn't get far into their number when Jean, who was trained from childhood in the high standards of Catholic modesty, made up his mind to do one thing, his duty, and he did it. Rising from his seat at the speaker's table, he simply said, Gentlemen, I don't care for this kind of show. I find it indecent and offensive. You'll have to excuse me. It was dead silent as Gene walked quickly from the room while everyone watched. Soon other chairs were pulled back, then almost everybody began to leave the hall. Finally, the half-dressed dancers rushed off the scene in shame. Jean Tooney, nicknamed the Fighting Marine, fought many a battle in France as well as in the boxing ring, but he never fought a braver fight than this. Indecent entertainment and filthy literature and movies lower the ideals and twist the standards of young Catholic men and women. The most precious thing in your soul is purity. Don't let your mind be poisoned by impure entertainment. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It. 